Thanksgiving here from Sister Tendai. Uh, she says, I would like to thank the saints for the help, support, and the comfort to our family throughout the funeral preparations. May God richly bless you. Amen. Uh, I, for one, as a pastor, I would say I'm proud of you, of how you supported the family. Uh, throughout the the time of bereavement, Amen. Uh, and that is what families are for, isn't it? So, Amen. Sister Maseko is not feeling very well; she won't be able to be here. Uh, but we will remember her in prayer, Amen. Now, Brother Mbanyana will be here in the afternoon. He just had a family matter to attend to in Limpopo. And Brother Watt will be here in the afternoon as well. Amen. I think let's bow our heads and just remember Sister Maseko. Gracious Heavenly Father, here is our sister. She brought a prayer request. She's not feeling well, but we know that there is nothing that is out of reach of prayer. We are sending this prayer her way. May you touch her and make her whole, dear God. And Lord, we just want to bless the tithes and the offerings that the believers have given out of the will of their hearts. May you bless them abundantly as we commit everything to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Pastor Crosby Maliko is here. Amen. a missionary now. <laughs> Amen. So he was in America at Brother Donis, Donny Regan's church and then he quickly spent a day in England and from England he jetted into the country he was at Pastor Beckett and now it is our turn. Amen. How many are happy to see me, Pastor Crosby? Amen. It's not traveling alone where Sister Flo, if she can stand to her feet. Amen. God bless you richly. Amen. 
I think you can pick it up on my voice that uh, I've been quite under the weather. I had a bout of flu, amen. But I was in good hands. Dr. Dr. Madiba, Dr. Tumile Madiba was taking care of me. Amen. Oh, yes. Amen. She made sure that I had the right prescription. And that is why I'm in church this morning. Amen. You can give her a round of applause. Amen. So, so, and uh, we just want to appreciate Brother Mutogozisi for picking up the pastor from the airport and taking the pastor around while I was confined to a bed. But I'm feeling much better today. Amen. God bless you richly. Um, just uh, that thing, we, Brother Brenham says we live during an astronaut age. The achievement of science parallels the achievement of the church. Uh, the technical team has made it possible to get the entire message of Lighthouse Tabernacle in your pocket. Amen. So there is no excuse. Every message you can get it if you are on whatever phone you have, whether Android or iPhone, you look for this app called uh, Castbox. Amen. And then you download it. Once you have downloaded it, you go and search for Lighthouse Tabernacle. You'll find it there. Then you, after you have found it, you press here, which means to subscribe. Then all the sermon, sermons of all the years will come up on your phone. Amen. Are there any people that have done it already? Oh, Brother Moyo says he's done it. Was it easy to be done? Amen. All right. Yeah. So you need to have space. You can. You can delete all these chain messages to give your phone enough space so that you have a space for the message. Amen. So now you'll have a church on the go. Amen. So the beauty of those that have downloaded it, uh, this evening they will have the messages that Pastor Maleko has preached right on their phone. Amen. God bless you richly. Let's say stand to our feet. I see Brother Marcus is here. I want to hear the buzz. Amen. Do you know that you play the buzz very well? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Amen. You can give Brother Freddy a round of applause. Amen. Uh, Brasbo, heal your people. Heal. I'm very happy to be. My friend is here, Pastor Crosby. They say if you want to tell what a, what a man he is, look at the friend that he, friends that he keeps. Amen. He is a good friend to me. Amen. We love him. 
we appreciate him and Sister Flo, uh, Brother, is it Pastor uh, Brother Mdoti was in my house. He said, uh, the furniture in your house looks like Brother Crosby's furniture. The wives, they look alike. I said, no wonder he's my friend. Amen. Even their height is similar. Amen. He said that I'm a little bit taller. Amen. God bless you. Heal your people. Heal them. Or maybe Jehovah Sepilowena. Or maybe what a mighty warrior, great in battle. There are just so many songs on my radar screen. Amen. Jehovah, we trust you. How many trust Jehovah this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. We're happy we've got uh, Brother Mawuza from Naspoti. Just a round of applause. He's our elder. Amen. I see a doctor friend of mine over there, Brother Tinash. Amen. God bless you richly. Amen. I think people are looking. Can just wave your hand, my brother. Amen. God bless you richly. These are good doctors that are taking care of me. Amen. God has given me good doctors. They are just a phone call away. People like Brother Matlavi. When he picked up that I wasn't feeling well, he says, why didn't you call? I said, I wanted to give the in-house doctor first a chance. Amen. God bless you richly. Heal your people. Heal the land as the man of God takes the podium. Heal your people. Heal the land.
God. I greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure every song has its favorite and every music musician has also their strong fan base. Uh, I wanted this brother, Brother Freddie, to sing that song so that my wife can uh, uh, hear what I was talking about the other time. Yes, that Negro spiritual one. The one that comes with the... How many remember that song? It left quite an impression on me. And I just like his swagger as well, praise the Lord. I like a man who's comfortable in his own skin anytime. Praise the Lord. Our God is a God of variety. He made us the way we are for a purpose and for a reason. He made big mountains and small mountains. Praise the Lord. So I do not apologize for being short. I've never desired to be tall. I always feel when you're very, very tall somewhere there, you must have some back pain or something. It must be so hard to have the kind of uh, uh, stability required. Uh, uh, the tall people that are here are saying, oh, no, no, no. See, the shorter you are, the more stable. And, and I believe David in the Bible was a short man to destabilize Goliath. Do you love the Lord? Just be seated for a minute. I just want this brother to just bless us as I call my nerves. So that's what happens when you're not a visiting minister anymore. You also come with your own program. It's my wife's 40th birthday, so this is a treat for my wife as well. And to all you young folks, it's possible to be in love and have these many years in marriage, it's also our 20th anniversary as well. I 
prosper rainbows here But we don't No one can find it We all got to die one day But no man can tell me Who else could make the moon and the sun shine Over every city and every town If you think God is dead You better look around If you think my God is dead No, 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 no you better look around and look around and look around. You can look at the tree outside. You can even look at the birds. I tell you, you'll see God. If you think God is there. Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. When I look down from mountain ranges and look at everything, then sings my soul, how great thou art. So I'm so grateful that I've had the opportunity to persuade my brother to sing, bless, bless us with this. You better look around. Right now, if you think God's dead, Look at the person right next to you. They are a testimony of his saving grace. It doesn't matter what we struggle with. It matters that we've made it to church today. Because it is of the Lord's message we are not consumed. His compassions, they fail not. Amen. I'm glad I am alive today. That what the devil couldn't do last night has allowed me to behold his glory today. So I'm not living in my past. I'm living in my future. Amen. It's only the devil who tries to grip your past and keep turning you back. Now I'm glad to announce to you that we don't have eyes like frogs that look behind. We are eagles that look ahead. 
to God be the glory. I greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to appreciate uh, Brother Madiba for the friendship and the love and the generosity. Praise the Lord. I've got so many friends here. I've got Brother Chetty, a lot of friends. And uh, I was being told uh, uh, Brother Madiba's friend is around, Dr. Tinashe. He's actually my young brother. Oh, yes. Brother Tinashe, just stand up for the glory of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, we go way back, eh? He's my young brother and uh, sister Flo would be happy to see you after service. And uh, during the times he was a medical student, my wife was expecting my daughter, that grown-up girl that you saw, and uh, he would always make observations. I stayed with him right in my home in England. He would come for vacation to England, and then he would come back to Medunsa. Is that right? Did I get it correct? Praise the Lord. So it's also a special privilege for me to stand and minister to him as a preacher. He's known me as a businessman. He's, this is the first time he's seeing his elder brother as a preacher. Is that right? Praise the Lord. And uh, I greet you once again. No love to appreciate our elder brother as well. Because if your friend has an elder brother, your elder, he becomes your elder brother as well. So, uh, Brother Anto, our elder brother did a good job, eh? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm uh, so happy to be here. I don't even know where to start, but I'd like to start by saying God bless you. Amen. And I'd like to invite you to stand for the reading of the word so that we give God the chance to speak to us. Amen. Brother Branham, in many sermons, you see him preaching in various places, maybe the same title. It's for a reason and for a purpose. It's easy for me to say I've preached this sermon, go and listen to it at a certain, certain place. But before technology existed, uh, you'd have to go around to each congregation because each congregation is its own needs and its own ability to pull from a grift to bring out an aspect that is different from the previous congregation. So tonight, amen, it's not a... a a lack for a better word for the time of the day, but I would like to say tonight, by the grace of God, I shall preach about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because I believe also that in the evening time it shall be light. So hear me when I say tonight, don't try and uh, correct my grammar. I do know it's morning time, but tonight, because in the evening time it shall be light. Amen. So tonight we shall try to talk about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because every time that name was mentioned, something miraculous took place. And I believe that something will happen to somebody if they catch the mystery behind the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'll ask you to turn with me to your Bibles, to the book of Mark, chapter number 16. And I shall read. Praise the Lord. verse number 17 and pull out a text out of it. And then it says there, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not 
hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the words with signs following. Amen. Does your Bible also say amen? It means that's the finality of the whole thing. And amen is the other name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So for a text, I would like to preach about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to also ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter number 3, verse number 6. If you found the place, I shall read. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his word. Shall we pray? Our kind heavenly father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be in your presence. I believe it was David who was persuaded to go to church and he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Father God, there is a reason why it's called the house of the Lord. You said in your scriptures that mine house shall be a house of prayer. And Father, we come because we've got needs. Lord, in those needs that you met last week, we've also come to worship you because you also emit Nita. Father God, we truly appreciate your grace towards us, and we pray that you might bring an unction to this word and follow it with signs and wonders that your people might know you in the power and strength of your resurrection. Lord, we bless your name for allowing us to be alive and well to witness the beauty and the wonder of how alive you are when we look around. Lord, bless our brother Freddie and give him his heart's desire. Lord God Almighty, never let his eagle eyes be filmed over, but may he be able always to have a testimony that God is great. Father, I would like to pray a special blessing upon Pastor Madiba and the congregation, the helps, the governments, Lord, dear God, the deacons and the elders, and everybody who has come to church even for the first time, May you be, Lord, the one that speaks like you know only how to speak to your people. Father God, you have the mystery of letting a man address a congregation and say words, and each word is applicable to somebody's life until when service is over, someone will say, he spoke to me in this way, and someone will say, that my portion was when he said this. Father, you have the intelligence of letting the word be expounded and meet the needs of your people. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you might move me aside, use me only as a vessel, and most of Lord, I pray that you might make me a worthy vessel. Bless every believer in divine presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. amen. 
Amen. You may be seated in his presence. Praise the Lord. Now, my title is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To many people, it sounds like something shallow, seeing we are in the message where we speak about the will within the will, the great atmosphere of the seventh seal and the third pool and the many things that we speak about that make us feel like we are a cut above the denominational world. It makes us feel very special that we know certain things that people don't know. But brother, I'm the type of person that likes to go back to the basics and see in the basics what is it that we might have ignored that might be relevant and pertinent to our own lives. And I would like to tell you, my brother, it's all about Jesus. Every tongue, every knee, everything that must make a confession, it's got to be about Jesus. Muhammad has got to bow to Jesus. Every soul shall proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And if it so be that Jesus is Lord, let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is he. The Lord of Lords is he. Amen. The great Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. Amen. He purchased my salvation. He purchased your salvation. There is nothing in heaven or earth that supersedes the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen right there. If you don't know where to say amen in your life, just the mention of the name Jesus, a baby had not kicked for six months. It said amen and amen because Jesus was mentioned. Let me tell you right now, if you say amen, a cancer might drop right there. Whatever it is that's in your life, just a mention of that name. If you are a believer, things might begin to happen before time. Because Jesus is an awesome God. That name veils the mystery of God. Amen. Christ is the mystery of God. Amen. And, and Jesus is the mystery of the bride revealed. You need to know who you are. And, and, and if you're going to be married to somebody, you must know their surname. You must practice to sign their signature. Like my wife, Sister Maliko, a man, she was born a Fombe, but when I made my, uh, 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 my proclamation that I want to, to, to be husband to you, she knew that she was going to get a name change. She started to practice signing the surname Maliko because that's my name. And the name of Jesus is the name of our husband. We ought to know how to sign it. Every time that name is mentioned, you should feel a thrill. Because it still has its allure. It still has its, its, its power. That is why whenever people sing songs, the more powerful songs that exist have something to do with the power in the name of Jesus. It can break every chain. Any song that is sung without Jesus is nothing but a romantic song, praise the Lord. But put Jesus in it, somebody will tell you, while I was singing, something happened. Amen. Somebody was singing, the great physician now is here, praise the Lord. As they were playing the piano, Amen. They, said, they started to think about that name of Jesus. Raised their hands. The piano never missed a key. Because of the power that's in the name of Jesus. And we want to talk about it all the time. Let's talk about Jesus. And sometimes when you talk about him, he appears. You cannot talk about Sangomas and expect the Holy Ghost. 
If you talk about Jesus, he appears. You cannot talk about politics and expect the Holy Ghost. When you talk about Jesus, he normally comes to walk with you. Somebody say amen right there. Now the story and the chapter we just read is a very popular story. Mark chapter 16. But it starts with the people that were walking with Jesus. If we go ahead to verse number 12 so that we can quickly read the text and then get into our subject. It starts with uh, the story of these fellows coming from Emmaus. From verse number 12 it says, And after that he appeared in another form unto two of them. These were Cleophas and his friend going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Is that right? It says, As they walked and went into the country. Let's go. Let's be quick. Just one. I'm using your projector. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. Here are two folks. After the death burial, he is now resurrected. And they begin to go back to their village. They were probably in a place like Jobek. Now on their way to Mpumalanga, they are going on their way past Pretoria. Says, you know, he was supposed to deliver us. He is the Messiah. And then some begin to say, but you know what? The way he died, you know, it's the worst of death. Amen. It's cruel punishment. It's the worst of, 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 of any type of a death anyone can ever have. And look at it, man. He was supposed to be the king of glory. They were talking and talking. And because they were talking about Jesus, he got attracted to walk with them. He picked up elements and he stepped into the elements. And now they just see a man like an ordinary man just being also on his journey to Emmaus. But in the conversation, he asked them, what are you guys talking about? He says, haven't you heard what happened in Jerusalem? Well, at least if you didn't hear about the death of the man, did you hear about the earthquake? That is, they nailed him. There was such an earthquake and darkness. There was a total eclipse in broad daylight. And things were just happening in a strange way. I'm sure you might not be on CNN or have a good news anchor in your time, but at least surely you should have seen even the sun was blackened. And then he says, oh yes, I heard. And then he began to expound the scriptures from Genesis right up to where they were. And then as he was about to leave them, he opened their eyes. Then they realized that the very man that was crucified has come to tell us his message and who he was in the present stage. So they went home rejoicing. And they said one to another like we normally do. Didn't our hearts burn as he spake with us? Remember when you were speaking, there was a way he was articulating the scriptures that was too peculiar. Brother, I felt such a thrill in my heart. And the other one said, oh yes, even me too. And then he says, wow, let's go tell the story. So they got to the residue. They got to the people. He says, brother, my friend was here. He was a genuine witness. There was this man, Jesus. He's resurrected. And the friend says, hey, 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 my friend, my friend. Only you two saw him. Yeah, yeah. How did he come? He came like this. He came like this. 
came like this. So they, now they are telling the story in verse number 13. Let's go, my brother. They're now telling the story. Says, and they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. Says, brother, we're not lying, brother. Our hearts did burn. We felt like we were at a convention. When you were speaking with us. Brother, the presence was so powerful. You should have been there. When he spake with us, our hearts did burn. And afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. Christ, after appearing to these people, he left them. Then they went to tell their story, but their story was not believed. Then he goes now to his disciples. And I believe he deliberately did that to make a point. Says, and he went to the eleven as they sat at meat. First thing that he did was rebuke them of their unbelief. He upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. And let me tell you, brother, while I'm there, there is no people who are hard in heart like message folks. Message folks know that we are in the business of salvation, but when somebody comes that needs salvation, they they speak behind that person's back. Instead of bringing them in, we normally want those that are saved and have nothing to regret or some sins in the past. Amen. We we are hard in hearts. You've got to be careful who you associate with. We need folks with a testimony. In other words, there is no prejudice unless you've been in the message. We are the most prejudiced people in, 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 in life. You see a young girl, she's lived a messed up life and then somewhere there, God touches her, washes her and cleanses her. She wants to be a believer. Wait until she's about to get married. Somebody would be attracted to that girl for what the Lord has done. But when it comes to now disclosing that once upon a time, before the Lord worked in my life, I was like this. And then a brother begs off and says, mm-hmm. right. Then you back off. Because it's now message. We all want virgins, you see. Every brother wants to marry a virgin, but every, some of the brothers were responsible for some girls that are not virgins. Uh, allow me to preach in this place. <laughs> allow me to step on some message toes. You'll see me next year around this time. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so we're very prejudiced. And sometimes it can be a message father with a daughter he feels is so virtuous. And then there comes a brother from the world who God has cleaned. But back in the day, he was in the discos. He was everywhere. He's been there and got a t-shirt. And he must be graduated in the level of sin. But God done cleansed him. And then he comes to say, say, I'm not proud of my past, but I would like to marry your daughter. And then the brother, especially message fathers, they are the hardest. They go to the pastor and say, Pastor, I don't want my daughter going about with a vagabond. What is this man's history? 
You see, we believe that Jesus saves. But somehow, in our back part, in our subconscious, we believe that we plan our own things again. So you then find now, we shoot ourselves in the foot. So we end up having boys that were saved, going back to Mary in the world. Because we fail to administer and have confidence in what God can do. We only believe he's got a cleansing remedy to our lives when it's about us. But the fellow man is I don't know whether he's got the Holy Ghost that I have. And one of the most popular thing you hear about message folks is brother you must pray until you see the face of God. It's almost as if they wanted, thus saith the Lord. They need to see a pillar of fire on top of a brother or a sister before they can give them the right end of fellowship. But now if you go to the Bible, there was a man called Paul who was the worst of sinners. He was a murderer. But when he got saved, there was a hard brother called Ananias. And Ananias was told by God, go and lay hands on Paul. He said, hey, 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 Lord, do you know this Paul? He's the one that was persecuting the church. And the Lord had to say, ah, ah, I know what I've done in that man. And brother, when God spoke to Ananias, it was enough for Ananias to pick up confidence that God can save and totally save. There is something called total deliverance. And I'm here to tell you tonight, there is something called total deliverance. That's why we ought not to stigmatize one another, particularly in message churches. Amen. And every sister ought to tell a brother, you want to marry my history or me? Because my history has got nothing to be proud of. But me right now, I can tell you, the moment I heard the name of Jesus, it turned me around, picked me up. Now I'm a brand new creature. That's the hardness. So when Jesus came to his cream first, what would tempt the message of the hour? He had to upbraid them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Touch your neighbor and say, please don't ever have that. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he had risen. So they didn't believe the witnesses that saw him after he was risen. Those two that came from Emmaus. The disciples didn't believe them. And he said unto them. Now because now he understands there is an issue of believability. It's no longer just an issue of talk is cheap. There must be something that you must demonstrate for you so that we can believe that you've been with Jesus. It is always paramount and important that you should always have something that demonstrates your experience. When Jacob had an experience with the angel, he left a limping man. 
That was his believability that I'm not where I ought to be. Something happened last night and it left me limping. Now I walk a different walk. That's why every believer after an encounter with Jesus should walk a different walk. So now Christ comes, now he now knows that he's going to address this issue of believability. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But he knows that if they go, just like the two from Emmaus went, without anything, they will not be believed. Are you with me? And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. That's the beginning of salvation. It's not about the proof. It's first the believing. It's the believing that makes you get saved. Are you with me? And then he says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. And they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick And they shall recover. And afterwards now. So then. After. The Lord had spoken unto them. He was received unto heaven. And sat. On the right hand of God. Amen. Now that there is another sermon. He sat down. And brother Branham says. No man sits down unless they've got the job done. Amen. Amen. So he sat down because he left us with all that we need. Says, in my name, they shall cast out devils. Now, they have something that they can take along with. Whether you want to believe it or not, these signs shall follow them that believe. The sign will make you see that what I'm telling you, that Jesus is alive. You can look around. Look around. This man was ill. He had cancer. Doctors gave up on them. Because doctors could only go as far as the fourth dimension. See what the x-ray can demonstrate. But there comes a time that things move beyond the realm of the fourth dimension. You need a seventh dimension God that comes and transcends all other dimensions and gives you your healing. So now... That's Mark chapter 16. It started first with an issue of lack of believability. And now, Jesus comes and rebukes those that did not believe and then he gives them an unction. That is why now we find Acts chapter 3 verse number 6. Peter getting to the gate called beautiful and saying right there, silver and gold have I none. Such as I have. Which means he actually possessed it. He literally had it. Which is what we ought to have too. 
silver and gold we might not have, but there is something that we have. And every believer ought to have it. Because that's the thing that makes you believable. Without that, you are only professing. I once preached a sermon called Professors versus Possessors. And I don't like people that when you pray for this, I'm believing God for my healing. No. Believe that you are healed, not believing God for your healing. Do you realize when you just believe you are not too far from the devil? He also believes, but he trembles. So you cannot anchor your faith on saying, I'm believing. You should actually say after you've been laid hands on, I am healed. Not believing God for my healing. The believing part was done when we were praying for you because the scripture says, this sign shall follow them that believe. So by you coming to make an elder lay hands on you, you are showing you believe. And after you've been prayed for, start rejoicing. Not to start believing after having believed. You are replicating what you've already done. And you are showing how double-minded you are. And message folk can be very intelligent. They know the message cliches and statements that make you not be so much of an unbeliever. So you see how we shoot ourselves in the foot. We are supposed to go back to basic simple believing. So as I start my sermon, listen to what the prophet says. He said, Moses, throw it down. I want you to bear in mind Mark 16. And when he threw the stick down, it turned into a serpent. And Moses fled and he picked it up and he took it back by the tail and it turned back to a stick again. Are you hearing that? Moses, I guess, could say, I've seen strange sights today. And so, when it seen that stick turned into a snake, now, what was that stick? And that prophet says, that's what we are going to speak on. What was that stick? Are you seeing that? We've just read for an introduction, Mark chapter 16, and we've read for a quotation, the prophet in the message, the great servant Moses, he says, what was that stick? And that's what we are going to talk about. Are you getting it? So now, in order for us to see We've got to go back now, according to that quotation, to Exodus chapter 4. You can quickly come with me to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. And Moses answered and said, But God, but behold, they will not believe me. No, I can unto my voice. For they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Do you see now? Moses, being a prophet, I can imagine him seeing those two coming from Emmaus. And coming with a testimony that the Lord appeared unto us and the people did not believe. 
And here he is. Exodus chapter 3. God appears to him in a burning bush. And he sees and receives his calling. And he knows that God has called me. I cannot doubt it. The bush that burned, I saw the pillar of fire. And he said, I am that I am. After he asked him for his name. says, are you going to tell them the I am is sent? Then in chapter 4, he says, now let's be realistic. He says, hey, Lord, they will not believe me. If I just go and say you appeared unto me. Why? He also knew the hardness of his Jewish brothers. And he knew it because he himself had been a fugitive. Running away from justice. He was responsible for the death of an Egyptian soldier. Trying to intervene between a battle of an Egyptian soldier and a Hebrew brother. So he came in and he did his martial arts and he wringed the man's neck and he buried him under the sand. Then the following day, he sees two Hebrew brothers. And says, brothers, we are brothers, let's not fight. Then the secret that was supposed to be such a secret came out and says, you want to kill me like you did the man you killed yesterday? Then Moses realized that, oh my days. That was now handwriting on the wall. He says, we've got to run. He never even found a chance to send his girlfriend an email. He ran for his life. Because he knew the consequences of what that meant. It meant that the whole of Goshen knew what happened the night before. So it was an open secret. So now... After 40 years, the same God appears to him and says, right, we want you to go back where you ran away from. And while you are there, you tell them, I appeared unto you. And Moses thinks to himself, says, Ramses, the family of that man that squealed and said, you want to kill me like you killed that? Ah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that God sends you to the places that you are afraid of? Because he wants to demonstrate that it's not by might, nor by power. It's by his spirit. And God has an ability to paralyze your capabilities so that he can show his ability in your life. So Moses gets there and he says, Lord, I want to be realistic. I know my elders. First, they will tell me. Now, God appears to you while you were living in the luxury of Pharaoh's house. While we were mud dobbing over there and God appears to you. Do you even know how to pray? Because he was raised Egyptian and possibly had more of an Egyptian accent than a Hebrew accent. And now suddenly God appears to you Oh yes, it's true. There was a man called Zedekiah who slapped a prophet in the face. He says, what? How did the spirit of God come from me to you? So he says, Lord, before I go, let's sort this out. Now he's sorting out his issues with God in Exodus chapter 4. And in Exodus chapter 4, he says, Lord, they will not believe me. 
So I want you to catch this again. The issue is about believability. Somebody shout believability. believability. Amen. You're a good class. Says, <laughs> says no, I can unto my voice. So firstly, he knows he must have something that is a sign that brings the voice because it's the voice behind the sign. So he says, right, they will not believe me, so therefore I have no voice. That is why Brother Branham had to have all the three pools. It was meant to be a sign, and then after the sign has been believed, then the voice. So he says, for they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses fled. Natural reaction. And the Lord said, verse number four, and the Lord said unto him, after he had gone, hey, hey, the Lord said, hey, 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 pick it up. The human aspect of Moses fled. But the Lord said, come back, pick it up. It's you who said the people will not believe me. So now we are having an exercise. So that before you go with, you go to the people, you must know what you are carrying. Before you begin to testify, you must know exactly what you are testifying about. Before you begin to say the Lord spoke to me, you must have something that is beyond natural ability. So the Lord says, pick it up. Then he said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and he caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. So, back to a stick again. Amen? That they may believe the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. So, Exodus chapter 4 is actually an exercise of Moses' believability. Just like Mark chapter 16 was given because the two from Emmaus could not convince people that he has risen. Then he says, these signs shall follow them that believe. It was also an exercise of believability. So in my simple words, let me say to you, brothers and sisters, Mark 16 was tied by Exodus chapter 4. Because that's the only place where the Bible says, take up, that, take up that stick by the tail. But in Mark chapter 16, he says, they shall take up serpents. Here he says, take it up by the tail. There he says, they shall take up serpents. No other place do you find God encouraging people to take up serpents. But he wanted the issue of believability to be so real, he made sure 
that Moses has an encounter that is similar to what the disciples had. Because the issue of believability wasn't supposed to be on Jesus. Because he himself already bruised the head of the serpent. He's the seed of man. I mean, he's the seed of a woman. But to the believer, now we find Peter now saying, Silver and gold have I none. Such as I have. Where did he receive it? He received it right there. First it came as a commission. Then he received the Holy Ghost. Then after that he knew. He had something similar. To the equivalent of Moses. Now here's what the prophet says. So that you understand this quotation. Let's go my brother. Oh I can, I can regulate that from here right. He says. Right. So he says here. It wasn't an ordinary stick anymore. Which means it was ordinary when Moses cast it down. But when he picked it up, that's what the prophet is saying. It wasn't an ordinary stick anymore. It was the judgment rod of almighty God. What did it symbolize? The cross. So Moses, when he left his wife at home and took his stick to go behind, he was carrying the cross. Without Jesus. The stick represented the cross. Because on the natural, it was wood. On the spiritual, it was a serpent. When he threw it down and became a snake, it was now taking another representation. And how could the serpent represent Christ? Says The serpent, as it was a reptile, a snake... It represented sin already judged. It was a reptile, a snake. It represented sin already judged. For Satan had sinned in the serpent in the garden of Eden. So that little drama that Moses is is being demonstrated to Moses has gone back to Genesis chapter 3. To say to humanity... That there is only one antidote to reverse what the first Adam lost, the second Adam has got to claim. So he had to reverse the process. So he who knew no sin became sin so that we can worship God. So he says here. Which was not a reptile. He was the missing link between man and animal. And he stood there or walked upright. And was the most subtle of all the beasts. Not reptiles. For the beasts of the field and when he was cursed, his legs went off of him and on his belly he went. And that showed that he was already judged. When he became a reptile, it simply shows that the reptile part of the stick was showing the beast, the serpent, already judged. Then he said, listen to this. And when Christ was seen in the serpent, already judged, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And the prophet says, do you see it? If you see it, raise your hand. I don't want to miss my class. Says, eh, now, he picked up the stick 
That was when he ran away. Then he was told, pick it up. He picked up the stick. And the supernatural on the stick was a serpent. Supernatural. It was a serpent in his hand. Natural. It was a stick in his hand. The cross plus Christ, the judgment. So after the encounter, that stick that his wife saw him live home with was no longer the same. It was now the cross plus the judgment. It was now more supernatural than it was when it came. Are you getting it? It Where he goes down to Egypt... As many times as I've said, a one-man invasion. He had his wife and, and ran about his wife and sat over on the mule. And a child on the hip where he is going towards Egypt, going down to take over. Could you imagine a one-man invasion going to Egypt to take over? But he did it. Because God promised he would do it. Now Moses doesn't even doubt himself. Because he knows that he's got a stick. And this stick, I can suspect that now, now once in a while he would leave his stick outside and ask his wife to say, honey, can you just pass me the stick outside? But after this encounter, I can't suspect that stick ever leaving Moses died anymore. Because he now knew exactly what it was. It was his ammunition for believability. That is why every believer ought to have the name of Jesus for themselves exclusively. Husband must be born again. Wife must be born again. Son must be born again. Daughter must be born again. Every one of us ought to carry their own stick. We cannot lend each other the sticks. You've got to have yours. Sister Flo got his. I got mine. Amen. And he says here. Listen to this. And while he was down there, when Moses went in, he waved this stick across rivers. And they turned into blood. When he waved them towards the skies, the sun went dark. And everywhere he put the stick before him, it was judgment. And judgment went before the stick. Because the stick was the judgment road. And the prophet says, do you get it? And I also want to say, are you getting it? So now, when he wanted fleas, he raised the stick towards the air like that. And sprinkled some dirt. As the dust blowed on, the fleas came from everywhere. Judgment. Divine judgment. He brought fire out of heaven, lightning upon the earth, great hailstones, and everything that killed the cattle and killed the Egyptians, and everything else. Judgment. God's judgment before Moses. Now listen to what the prophet says. Now. As Moses went with the judgment stick before him, that same stick tonight to the church 
is Jesus Christ. And he says, if those Egyptians could have got that little simple stick out of Moses' hands, they would have heard him whipped. So what was the mystery behind the plate? The stick. What was the mystery behind the ministry of Moses? The stick. And that's why the prophet says, if only the Egyptians knew that the stick is not just a symbol of raising forth his hand, it's far more greater. It's the thing that's making the thing happen. Their strategy would have been to isolate him from the stick. And they would have whipped him. Because that's the strategy of the devil is to isolate you from your source of victory. That is why the greatest thing that the children of Israel needed to get rid of or to know in, in uh, excuse me, uh, uh, when Samson was doing all the mystery, they knew that no ordinary man can operate like this. With a jawbone of an ass, he whipped a thousand. He lifted up a 30-ton gate. I know there's got to be a mystery. So the homework of the enemy is to find out what your mystery is. That is why if the devil can get you not to go to church, he will be so happy. And that is why church dynamics are very difficult. Because the devil will start to make you paranoid. And a brother will seemingly make a joke with you, not knowing that that joke is fitting into your paranoia. And then you convince your wife that nobody loves us at that church. Did you hear what that brother said? And then now, you begin to isolate yourself. Every time you are amongst brothers, you are busy scanning their genuineness as if you are a Urim Thummim. <laughs> Be simple. That's why if you want to watch for things that are wrong, the devil will show you. It is a strategy. You begin to say, do you see my love? Did you check it out? you'll notice that sister so-and-so doesn't greet me. Ever since they bought their S-class, she doesn't greet me. (laughs) Church dynamics. Now, I always have this notion. If you greet everybody, how do you know who doesn't greet you? You make it your business to make sure you've greeted everyone and you actually say, oh, today I didn't greet brother. Ooh, I'll make them first on my list next week. Come on now. That's a choice. That's good. Because you are the one that's always proactive. The only way you can say they don't want to greet me is when they know that you are coming to greet them, then they run. Then you've got evidence. That is why the Bible says, do good to everyone. 
Because you have no ability to select who's serpent seed and who's not. But if 90% are serpent seed and you do good to them, it means you are also catering for the 10% which are God's seed. So just do good to everyone. <laughs> You've got everything covered. <laughs> Can I go to my sermon? You know, I'm a pastor, so some of these things just creep up on me when I start to preach. You know, you've got to make sure that we are all on the same page. At any given service, there is someone who's saying, today is my last service. If God does not speak to me, I'm moving to another church. Don't worry. If God does not deliver you, you'll find more problems where you are going. (laughs) Then eventually you'll wind up in the tape ministry at home on your own. That's where you will wound up. Now to those that listen to tapes at home, in order for you to say I've attended service, you must first have 30 minutes of quiet time. And you must also stand by the door to usher your children in. (laughs) And then collect tithes and offering. And then pray over them. Because the service is incomplete without tithes and offering. And you must also conduct the communion too. Because you tr- some people are very cunning. They try to, f- to hide their excuse for not believing by saying, I listen to tapes at home. Yes. Tapes are not the program of God for the day. Fivefold is the program of God. But because God knows that we must have a reference, he allowed everyone to listen to the tapes. So that you can differentiate between a genuine minister and not because you've got the voice of your prophet at your fingertips. That's the correct way of doing things. Now there will be others that will take that part where I say tapes are not the program of the day. And then they will put it on YouTube. Say brother Crosby does not believe in tapes. Oh, we do have dull people. Just like a class, we do have dull people in the message. And we always have dull people everywhere. They will isolate that part and open a block. But here is a minister who is preaching in Whitbank and he says, tapes are not the program of God. And then they never say the lines before and after. And that's how we have shot ourselves in the foot. Yes. And then you leave someone that will type, if someone believes this way, don't go to that church. He doesn't believe the message. How can I not be a message believer when I'm enjoying? Who knew about the serpent being the stick if it wasn't for William Branham? Yes. Would you be able to link Exodus 4 to Mark 16? If it wasn't for William Branham. But the program is the fivefold should pick up those things. You have already listened to the tape, but you never picked it up because the program of God is for the fivefold to pick it up and bring it to church so that when you go back to listen to that tape, you will say it's more deeper than I suspected. Can you say amen to that? Or let me have a real amen to that. 
right there. We are shaking some devils because the power of God can never change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the prophet says, that stick tonight. It's not in a museum. That stick tonight is the name of Jesus Christ to the church. And when the devil, because now that stick is the name of Jesus Christ to the church. Now, and when the devil could ever get the deity out of the name of Jesus Christ, he's got the church whipped. The prophet is saying, if Egypt wanted to overcome Moses, they should have taken the stick. But now, the devil is whipping the church because everyone is claiming the name of Jesus, but the deity is not there, which is the life behind the name that makes demons tremble. So the devil now had a tactic in the third exodus, which is to nullify the power and the strength of Jesus Christ. Until when we say we lay hands in Jesus' name, it looks like just one of those statements that we say after praying, like amen. Because every other church on Sunday today, including those that don't even know their ABCs in the Bible, they all still claim Jesus. But the devil has snuck behind and give them lives that are not worthy of the Bible until if they say Jesus, there's no deity in that name. And because there's no deity, there is no effect. So now we end up with a scenario, which is also found in the book of Acts, of the sons of Sceva. They come to somebody who's demon-possessed, and they say, we cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ, who Paul preaches. And the demon was able to see and look for the application. And says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But for you, you don't have the deity of that name you want to cast me out from. So because you don't have the deity, I'm going to whip you. Those sons of Sceva were the sons of Sceva himself was actually a high priest. So which means theology was in their home. From Sunday school to every, they knew everything about this power in the name of Jesus. But they were not a part of it. They were exactly like Hophni and Phineas, who were the sons of Eli. They knew church program. And this is what the devil has done. He has made us to now go into church dynamics and church programs and forget about the fact that it's got to be a life in the name which comes through a new birth. So you will say, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. The demon might not say to you, Brother Crosby, I know, Brother Matipo, Brother Branham, I know. The demon will just laugh quietly and say, <laughs> my friend. And then subsequently, because you've used that name over and over again with no results, you start to think it doesn't work. 
because you dropped the deity out of it. And that's what the prophet is saying, that if the devil could ever get the deity out of the name of Jesus, he's got the church whipped. So now we have to have extracurricular things in the message. We have to find ourselves some prophets to make the thing frightening. To create an aura that God is now here. And if you feel some goosebumps and some shaking, and you feel like, right. Not Brother Madiba who comes and he preaches and he says, let's close. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. No, no, no. We need some fa It's an African mentality of, of, of superstition. That's why a wife, an African will never go bungee jumping. Superstition will tell him the rope will break while I'm in mid-air. Africans don't want things that have calculations and precise figures. So now in religion, we don't want a sober gospel. That you can say, okay, what you are saying, let's check it by the scriptures. So you end up now having communion with oil now. Feet washing with oil. Because it's got to be frightening. There must be something that is very mystic. And that is why even the preachers try to frighten people. When they come out, you can actually see that now that one is coming from the holiest of holies. The way they carry themselves around. It's all to frighten you. see something right now. <laughs> Why do you think Hubert is now prominent? Hubert Angel. And churches are being wiped up by b- b- what's that Malawian young fellow? Bushiri. Nobody ever follows up to find out the legitimacy of what he's claiming. You fill up stadiums. He couldn't care less as long as he's making the buck. And yet you have been made to be a special class of people that gets to know the message in its detail and understand the Bible in its application and you still find it hard to raise your hand and worship God in a message church. So now, because the Pentecostals are superseding us in numbers, we feel we have to manufacture our own prophets now. That's nonsense. From the pits of hell. For unintelligent message believers. You mean to tell me you get very spiritual if someone tells you your name and address? Let me tell you what happened to me. I used to have a business. And all my contracts were in psychiatric hospitals. And one day I went to work. As usual. And I saw a man. He came to me and says, God bless you, pastor. This is 1998. I said, no, 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 don't call me pastor. I never want to be a pastor. This is one job I never... If, you are, if someone is there feeling like a pastor, let me tell you, if, I, if there was an exit closet, I would come out today. 
if there was an exit closet that after the service I can serve God freely without being a pastor, I would opt for that option. So I got there. Men said, hello, pastor. I said, don't call me pastor. I don't like that. He says, but you are a pastor. You don't know it. I says, listen, my friend. That's why you are in an insane hospital and I'm outside. You are insane. Don't call me pastor. Tinashe at the Linden Center. I said, listen, my friend. I'm here. You haven't taken a bath for two weeks. I want to persuade you to bathe yourself. And you're calling me pastor. And then he says, you don't understand spiritual things. No, he was very truthful. Listen. His name was Harry. I won't mention his surname. I might get sued. His name was Harry. I said, Harry, you are insane. He says, Pastor Crosby, Maliku, let me tell you, I'm an angel from God. And then he took his cigarette and deleted it. I said, now, you look at you now, Harry. An angel that smokes. Eh? And he says, no. Okay, let me give you proof of what I'm talking about. When you get home, before you step into your house, your wife is going to ask you to go and buy some margarine. Okay. I said, right. This guy is definitely more mad than I thought. <laughs> I finished my shift at 9 o'clock, got onto my uh, bus to go home. I got home at 10 to 10. My wife was making pasta, but she was missing one ingredient. And we lived right next to a supermarket called Summerfield, and it is five minutes to rush there. So Sister Flo was waiting for me to open the door. If she has the sound of the door, she will ask me to quickly go and get her the margarine. So I opened the door slightly. And she said, she said, please, please, Brother Crosby, don't get in. You've only got five minutes to rush and get me some margarine. I just said, hey. That never made that many profit. He still remained in that hospital. Five years later, I took Brother Chitsinda to the same hospital to try and locate the man. He's just somebody who's spiritually inclined. And we people, we like to be prophesied to. And that's how we measure spirituality. You must take confidence in this message of the hour. As clear and plain as it was given by our prophet. So now, back to my sermon. You notice that the deity is the life. That the devil doesn't mind you doing anything. Because then you lose effect in your use for that name. So you can sing there is power in the name of Jesus and you go and wear your trousers 
and stand there and have a church with a woman preaching. Already you have eroded the deity. You might have a preach, but the deity. So the only place you can get the correct prescription of how to harness the deity of God is in the message of the hour. In the message of the hour is true church order, true house order. Everything that we require in the message of the hour is where deity can be kept. And once we master the message of the hour, we now know how to master the deity of God. So you don't have to be super spiritual to be a powerful sister or a powerful brother. Just live a godly life. And if you live a godly life, it means, my brother, when you proclaim something in Jesus' name, you are as equivalent to Moses, a church-edge messenger, or rather, a dispensational prophet. So Christ comes after the first and second exodus, and he now gives us what to do in the third exodus. And the prophet comes on the scene and says, if the bride repeats, if the bride receives the Holy Ghost, it will repeat another book of Acts. So we are the true custodians of Moses' road. Do you know, brothers and sisters, it's below our dignity as message people to be going through marriage counseling. A sister just ought to know her side of the scriptures. And a brother just ought to know his side of the scriptures. And then you have the Holy Ghost. Both two people will be able to have one vision. To have one vision towards one God and things will move like automatic. Autopilots. Until people will wonder, how does your relationship work? Because we are born again. And I know my position as a sister. And I know my position as a husband. Now, most of you grew up on TV. You see those hypocrites buying themselves flowers. And you say, why aren't brothers in the message as romantic as they are? No, I don't want to buy you flowers. I want to buy you the farm for flowers. Because <laughs> the people that know their God, they shall be strong and they'll do exploits. <laughs> you are looking for flowers. I'm looking to buy you the actual farm because you are typed by Ruth. Ruth was not concerned about the four men. Ruth was concerned about the husband men. And the mystery of a correct marriage in the message is like the way Boaz instructed his servant, drop some portions. Handfuls on purpose for my bride. If you see us going through marriage counseling and this and this and this and this and and then we blame it on the message. Until our daughters can aspire to be married in the message. Because they see mama and daddy's relationship is like Hitler. (laughs) Hitler and Churchill discussing the Second World War. Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Let 
me go, my brother. So he says here, Brother Bram says, if you can take the deity, I had to stop there to bring an emphasis that our lives have got to cope with the word. But as the judgment stick went before Moses to take the judgment, to bring the judgment, so does the name of Jesus go before us to take our judgment and stands our judgment of sickness. Now watch the order of how the quotation is written. To take our judgment. Now if you are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, has your life taken the judgment? So that's why now, you see Mark chapter 16 says, these signs shall follow them that believe. It says, if they believe, they shall be saved. If they don't, they shall be damned. So if you believe, the next natural reaction is to be baptized in Jesus' name. And that process eradicates and judges the sin in your life because the judgment road has been proclaimed over your sinful life. And then when you get sick, Per adventure, you get sick along the way. You will be laid hands on in Jesus' name again. Which means it's now judging the backslidden cells in your body. And Brother Branham dramatizes and say, when somebody has been laid hands on, it simply means when you got sick, your cells were receiving a beating. Your cells were on retreat, just being beaten and beaten and beaten and beaten by some viruses or some, some, some bacteria or some fungi or something. It was beating you. But the moment we lay hands, we literally activate. You're fighting. You're fighting antibodies to start to say, Brother Bam says, the moment we lay hands, they pick up strength. They begin to fight back. That's why the scripture says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Which means they stop retreating. They start to say, hang on a minute. Hang, ah, 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 withdraw Delilah. They start coming against every bacteria. And then after a period, you are well. It's a direct quote I'm quoting you. Brother Branham literally says, then the good gems pick up strength. Then they start to fight the bad gems. That simple act of having hands laid over you activates the good gems to pick up a fight. Your immune system begins to come back again. Now most of you have depended so much on anti, anti, uh, uh, <laughs> antibiotics and antivirals and anti this, anti this. Let me tell you brother, if we pronounce healing in the name of Jesus, that's enough antibiotics to start fighting birth and these ones have no side effect. Absolutely no side effect. So it says it stands the judgment of sickness. Stands the judgment of death. Stands our judgment of trouble. You are going for a hearing. You step in that boardroom in the name of Jesus. You already judge whatever you are going through. So look at how the scripture is. And look at how the quotation is. It's an equipment to show us the believers 
that we have far more exceeding great weaponry in the name of Jesus. If we live right. Do you get it? Brother says, take the name of Jesus with you. That's a song as a shield from every care. When temptations round you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. Is that right? When sickness begins to gather, breathe that name of Jesus. What is it? It's God's representative of judgment. Christ already judged for your sins. Christ already judged for your temptation. Christ already judged for your sickness. See what I mean? It was God's judgment rod. And as long as that rod waved on, it was judgment. Moses that night after leading the children of Israel out came to Pharaoh's army. The pillar of fire went down and hung between Pharaoh and the pursuing army of Israel. It made light to Israel and darkness and kept them apart. And the prophet says, Amen. A go between. Oh, I'm so glad today that is our go between. In sickness, in between death and life, he's my go between. He's the one that takes death in one hand and life in another hand. He's that link that connects men to God. The go between. Think about it, saints. If you think of all the testimonies that Brother Branham had, think about the one about Florence Nightingale from, from, from uh, South Africa that got healed in England. She was already a dead woman. Literally. Skeleton of bones. But Brother Branham never went and shook her head and proclaimed, he said, Lord, in Jesus' name, I lay my hands upon this lady. You already gave me a sign of a dove. Let it happen. In Jesus' name. That little act was literally taking death in one hand and putting it aside and life in another. Now we have a testimony of a thin woman who's full-bodied after six months. Now we look at messages, theology. The message is not a theology. It's a life. It's a life. Now that I've got my quotes there, do, do, do you understand where we are coming from? Yes. Now you begin to see that Moses took confidence in that demonstration of, of, of Exodus chapter 4. So he goes to Egypt. He sees Pharaoh. And he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. He now had the confidence because of what he had, so should you. You must have confidence at work, at home, wherever you are. Have confidence in the name of Jesus. Says, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh said to Moses, or else what? He says, I'm not in the mood for talking. Let me demonstrate what I've come to Egypt with. He took the stick. He put it down. It became a snake. Moses just stood there with holy indignation laced with a bit of spiritual pride. The stick went 
he thought that Pharaoh was going to jump up like he did the first time. Pharaoh did not jump up. Pharaoh says, "Ah, guys, get me Janice and Jambre. So Janice and Jambre came and he says, guys, do your thing. They threw their stick. It also became snakes. Moses didn't know what to do from then on. Because God never told him the opposition that will come when you start using the name of Jesus. That is why we don't need to be prophesied a lot. We need to walk by faith. You must know what you have and begin to walk with it by faith. So Moses says, oh God, what's the next stage from here? Because remember, God was answering Moses every step of the way. He forgot to ask the Lord that what if they have more snakes, they can do the same thing I've done. (laughs) That is why now people are attracted to TB, Joshua, and Bushiris. Because you think that the miracles that Brother Branham did were secluded for that time and that spirit has plunged onto other people. No ways! There are snakes, all right! But the message snakes, it's all those. So Moses' stick looks at those two sticks. And it said, it's been a long time since I've had a meal. (laughs) And it ate two of those. By this time, you can imagine Moses saying, Ah, we've got power in the name of Jesus. And then he takes his stick back and he says, let my people go. Janice and Jambri will Now they go back without sticks. Their sticks were swallowed in Moses' stick. <laughs> Moses now has a stick that represented the cross. And yet Jesus who ate the devils. It was now a stick that was far more powerful than before. And he held it like this. From then on, says, right, the next stage is plagues, mate. There shall be darkness. Are you hearing me? There shall be blood. There shall be frogs even in your bedchamber if you don't let my people go. There was no longer or else. And even Moses' brothers, because Moses was not afraid of being unbelieved by no, he was afraid of his brothers not believing him. So now all of them hear the story of the snakes. But they hear that the one that Moses had has consumed those other snakes. So he starts to move around with the stick. And people will say, that's the, that stick. It ate Genesis. That stick also has jambres inside. Don't play with Moses. He's got a deadly stick. And the prophet says, that stick tonight is the name of Jesus. Which means every one of us. Back then it was just for messengers. Now it's for all of us. That is why Brother Branham was so unique in that he explained that, you see, most, it says, greater sign, greater works than this shall you do. He says, no, the correct interpretation is more. 
because it shall be more of you using the name of Jesus. More of you, even sisters, using the name of Jesus. Now he comes and he demonstrates that that's what we have. And I like to always trace. says, and he came down as a God between, he made light. We all know that, says. You now know the base of the coach, you read it at all. Now, Brother Bram still goes on and says, remember that same stick, that hand that held the judgment road. When he came down, there was God's path running through the Red Sea. He waved that stick over the Red Sea. And the Red Sea, seeing the judgment, got scared and moved back on either side and made a pillar. And the marchers of Israel walked right across on dry ground in the bottom of the sea. What is the prophet saying? Everything that Moses did, even when he opened the Red Sea, we hear the scripture say, why Christ speak and go forward? Then the Bible says, then Moses raised forth his rod. So anything that came underneath that rod was judged. So as he raised it, the water molecules looked up. He says, I can't stand this. They moved aside. The fish in the water moved aside. Everything that came under that rod made a passage. That is why people get healed of cancers. It means if we raise the name of Jesus over you, Cancer is a living cell. It becomes judged by that name. So this time now when you pray in Jesus' name, it's not a cliche. It's not a church statement. It's a judgment to anything that's coming under your prayer. Brother Branham goes to Germany. And in Germany, there is witches there. Now we now have the true example of the same scenario of Moses versus Janus and Jambre. Now we now have Brother Branham versus three witches. He goes to Germany to preach. And those three witches, this is what we are going to read now. Going like that, actually the storm came down, says... The prince of the power of the air, Satan. They call them storms. And now, even that great big tent selling out like that, oh my, it will cover a city block and it built up, built up by two by fours and just canvas tagged all over. The wind got under there and just raised it like that. And that wind and being lightning flying like that, it just, con- I just continually preached. The very tent that Brother Branham is preaching in, Imagine, which is coming to challenge Brother Branham at his own death. Just like Janice and Jambri came to challenge Moses at his own death. Brother Branham says, oh, they were just going into a big enchantment. Going on and on like that, saying those three high holy words, they said. The three high holy words, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Which is a trinity. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Just like Janice and Jambre came with snakes. With sticks that turned into snakes. These ones are also claiming 
Father, Son, Holy Ghost, which we fight against the doctrine of Trinity. That's why you find there are Christians who are seemingly Christians, yet baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And some of them can actually have better lives than people that are in the message. But yet still, says, they were shouting that Father, Son, Holy Ghost on both sides like that. Then I seen him bow. The one who was the high priest to those things. And surrounded by devils there, but not bound. And I said to Brother Lossi, don't interpret this. I said, Brother Argenbright, just pray. I said, Lord God, listen to his prayer. In the deadlock, we want to see which snake will eat the other. It's a real showdown. To really embarrass our prophet to show that you've got nothing. It's all religious. So a religious proposition comes in the name of Trinity. Brother Branham says, Lord God, creator of heavens and earth, you sent me here. I set forth on this German soil in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't you tell me that Father, Son, and Holy Ghost equals Jesus Christ. The devil snuck behind and used the Father, Son, Holy Ghost to conjure up evil spirits and make it appear like it's the same religious thing. If somebody can't see baptism in Jesus' name, you can't tell them they are okay. If they are predestinated, they have to see it. Because there's a power behind those three enchantments. And Brother Brown says, I've stepped in German soil in the name of Jesus Christ because you sent me here. That cloud has no power over me. It does not because I am anointed and I am sent here for the salvation of these people. I command you in Jesus' name to depart from here. You mean to tell me a force raised by Trinitari was now commanded by the name of Jesus as an evil spirit to depart? You need to know that the name of Jesus judges your sins. So if you are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, your sins are not judged. You have actually been conjured up into evil spirits. That is why you cannot overcome. Yet you will use the name of Jesus. Now, because now you're using the name of Jesus, yet being baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, now no wonder you've got no victory and the deity is out. So you are an ordinary religious folk. Are you with me? There we go. Brother Abraham says, let's trace this name again. He says, the prophet said, let's trace this name a little bit. The prophet said his name will be called Emmanuel. In Isaiah chapter, says Matthew chapter 1, this shall be done, it was fulfilled, it was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet saying his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? By interpretation, is that right? And then he says, watch, this is paragraph 72. I've skipped a few paragraphs so that you can read it at your own leisure. Brabram says, I have tasted that when I was a young man. Tasted what? The difference in power. The name of Jesus versus Trinity. So now he gives his experience 
Just like the taste that Moses had behind the burning bush and the taste that he had in front of Janice and Chambri. says, I have heard often of spiritualism of the devil, how he does things. And I knew if there was a God, there must be a devil. Because the Bible said there was a devil. And I said, I thought, heard about these spiritualists. And I was at a camp one time when a minister and I went to see them in there. Brother Brown went to a camp with a fellow ministering friend. They had raised the table from the floor and they had whiskey glasses sitting over it. <laughs> and taken that table and turned it back and forth and a guitar flying through the Bible, through, through the building. Imagine a musician calling for his vibe, for his guitar from the back and it flew from the by demonic power. The table is in the air, a guitar is flying, there is whiskey tables on top, whiskey bottles on top, whiskey glasses to show you that now we are serious. Don't come to us and tell us about no Jesus. This is powerful. Listen to this. He had this up in the room. He said, the medium said, I challenge anybody to knock it down. Two men said, I'll get it down. There will always be those audacious brothers. They grabbed it around the legs like that and tried to hold it. It wouldn't. Why? The table throwed them plumb across the floor. The table threw the two people plumb across the floor. The table could see that these people have nothing. A greater than, I have a greater than what's in these people. Let me just throw them away. A table threw them away. Says, and people worshipping the devil don't even know what they are doing. Says, isn't it the same Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and Jesus Christ's name? No, it's not. You could actually be worshipping the devil. And the prophet says, worshipping the devil in churches. Teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Creeds. Creeds and traditions. Then there was a sister in the same building. This woman hollered over to me and said, they tell me you are a preacher. The prophet says, I am. She said, then, if you don't, what do you think about this? The prophet said, ah, it's the devil. She said, well then, if you've got so much power, knock it down. Another showdown. I said, I don't have any power at all. I have no power. But I am here representing one. I said, Lord Jesus, you said in Mark, the 16th chapter. We are back again. In my name, they shall cast out devils. 
Now that your servant may know as the battle lays before me. The same battle that confronted Moses with Genesis and Jambri was also now in front of Brother Branham. I said, I command the table to fall down in the name of the Holy Church. And it stayed right there. I said, I command the table to fall down there. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It stayed right there. I said, I command that table to fall down in the name of Jesus Christ. And like to have broken four legs hitting the floor. What happened? The name of the Holy Church had no judgment in it. The name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost had no judgment in it. But the name of Jesus. Table matter, which is dead matter, looked. You evil spirit, you could hold us up in the air with other things, but not in the name of Jesus. That's how powerful that name is. But yet we sit on it. We relax on it. And we think it's one of those things that we say after prayer. And the prophet has done two challenges to demonstrate the power that is possessed in that name. Now it comes to a point when he preaches the Revelation series. He has to literally explain the power of the devil in churches. And he says, now my precious brother, I know this is a tape also, which means he intended it to get to the bride all over the world. Now don't get excited. Let me say this with godly love. The hour has approached where I can't hold still on these things no more. Which means, back in the day, he was very polite. Because You know, he was preaching as an evangelist all over the world. He knew the seriousness of everything being in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that it's actually devil worship. But he never wanted to offend people. But being that he was a prophet like unto Moses, there comes a junction of time where he's got to separate men from boys and tell the truth as it is. Since the hour has approached where I can't hold still with these things no more. Too close to the coming. See? And then what does the prophet say? Trinitarianism is of the devil. I say that that's thus saith the Lord. Look where it come from. It come from Nicaea Council when the Catholic Church became in rulership. Are you getting that? The prophet says it comes from Nicaea Council where the Catholic Church become, is in rulership. And he says the word Trinity itself is not even mentioned in the entire Bible, book of the Bible. And as far as three gods, that's from hell. And there is one God. And the prophet says that's exactly Do you see the pains in which the prophet has gone to explain 
the link between Mark chapter 16 and Exodus chapter 4. And he has actually demonstrated his experience with Janice and Jambre. He's also encountered the same thing. And then he then comes up now in this quotation and he tells us that the very roots of Trinity is from Nyasia Council. Then now we go to our Bible. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Peter goes to the place called Beautiful. It says, silver and gold have I none, such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. But when they were in Pentecost, the devil never got excited when they spoke in tongues. But when they started to use the name of Jesus in Acts chapter 3, the scripture I have read for you. We begin to see the narration of Acts chapter 3. The whole place is shaken because everybody knew that this man was a blind man. Sorry, was a lame man and he was 40. So now the whole place is shaken. So if Peter now comes to the believer and says, we have been with Jesus, the issue of believability has been solved. Which issue those two coming from Emmaus would not demonstrate. So when Peter rises up, we now go to Acts chapter 4. Let's have Acts chapter 4 from verse 1. We now begin to see now that the things that the devil understands about the name of the Lord, if we message believers understand, will be a lot more powerful than we suspect. Can you put up the Acts chapter 4? I wonder if my, is my class doing okay so far? Trust me, I've preached this in many places in different versions. And I, I, I believe so far, the best explanation and understanding is coming to you here in Whitbank. Because it's coming through experience. My wife will tell you, I normally don't approach it like this. Because she's listened to it many times. She's probably thinking, what about this part, my husband? And this part, my husband? And this part? She doesn't know that today, Whitbank is so special. They had to have it from another angle. And that angle is too powerful. If you catch it in the right context, somebody say, Amen. Oh, I feel religious. We are not in the business of extrapolating information, but we are in the business of preaching the gospel. Somebody today is going to live knowing who they are and what they possess, what it's capable of. So, Acts 3, verse 6, rise up and walk in Jesus' name. Start a revival. Then Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as the people spake, Unto the people, and as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. This is now the religious world who are now seeing God in action, and they begin to see what. We had never factored in that the gospel could be this dangerous. Then they began to be grieved. And they laid hands on them. Now starts persecution. And put them on hold into the next day. And it was from evening tide. After the miracle of chapter 3, they are arrested. How be it? Many of them which heard the word believed. 
What was the sermon these people were preaching? These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name. So people believed. And the number of them that was, ab- was about 5,000. One demonstration of power. 5,000 converts. Yet two people came with the same narration that Jesus has resurrected. Nobody believed. But now Jesus has been demonstrated to a man that was laying right at church. 5,000 are ushered into the kingdom. The question of believability is no longer in existence. Because everybody knew the man was strategically placed by God. So that when Peter comes to heal him, everybody knows the revival is in town. With bank, you are in for a shock this time. Everybody has got to know that the name of Jesus is being preached in with bank. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers if your gospel hasn't attracted the governors and the mayors and the rulers, you are still fumbling. The rulers and the elders and the scribes and the elders. Look at the clergy that were there. And Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, so they called them up and set them in the midst. They set them in the midst. They asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? There wasn't an issue they now understood that there's got to be a name behind it. It's either there's got to be a power and a power that relates to a name or a name that relates to a power. So they say, by what power? The whole of Whitbank had Brother Madiba writing there. The Anglican diocese chief was there. The mayor, everybody, they were there, says, right. Uh, explain to us what you are doing in that little church. Are you operating like T.B. Joshua? Or like Bushiri? Tell us. Because this person, we now know, they are in our circles, they were healed. So if our miracles are still private, and most of the time, most of the time the devil has, has us not being able to harness the date by fighting one another. And there's a gospel trend. That's another book of Acts being written. And we also know that in the bride there shall be a squeeze. There's the first squeeze. It says, Aha! You have grieved us. Instead of them rejoicing, they were grieved. So they called Peter. It says, by what power? And by what name? Have you done this? And then Peter being filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, ye rulers of the people. I like that. When you are able to come before them all and tell them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel. 
if this day we be examined for the good deed done to this important man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, doth this man stand here before you all. But yet when he was raised from the dead and he spoke to those guys coming from Emmaus, would they explain it? Was there something to bring believability? Now here Peter now knows that, uh uh-uh, let's explain things as they are. This man is standing by the name of Jesus, whom you crucified and God raised him. Let's go, my brother. Still go back to that scripture. It says here, this is the stone which was set to not you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. Peter is now quoting Mark chapter 16. Whosoever believes shall be saved. Salvation is in the name of Jesus. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Could they do the same for the Cleophas? Could they marvel and say these men had been with Jesus? The ones that said didn't our hearts burn? So it's not good enough to just have a good sermon. Those ones had a good sermon from the Lord. But these ones now are now demonstrating the sermon. Says here. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them. Listen to this. They could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred amongst themselves. Which I want to make you understand. That was the seeds of Nyasia Council. They asked them. Then they said them. Says, right, by what name? Then Peter explains everything. And then he says, okay, we take you out for a recess. And then they remain together. This is right. Gentlemen, say, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed, a notable miracle has been done by them. Is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. With bank, you ought to have undeniable miracles. So what shall we do? They are out. The first Nicaea council sees the effect of the name of Jesus. Says, "Mm, brothers, let's be honest. They never thought to repent. They could see that it's a notable miracle. They could see that it's God. But they still were serpent seed. So what shall we do about this? Says that it spread no further among the people. Let us straighten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. 
They didn't mind us preaching in any other way. That is why a believer ought not to stand before a motivational speaker and feel enlightened. So let us, let us stop them that they speak not in this name. The issue they could analyze was the fact that these people are powerful. Their source is the name. Let's go, my brother. And they called them. So they agreed. says, okay, we'll allow them to preach seven steps of how to make your marriage work. We'll allow them to preach ten ways of financial freedom. As long as they don't preach in Jesus' name. You can be from one motivational speaker to another, to another, to another, and still produce nothing. They will tell you, be positive. You can be from one marriage counselor to another, to another. By the time you finish reading his book, you understand, you read that in the newspaper that he's actually divorcing his wife. Christianity is such as I have. So he says, so they decided in the meeting, I can imagine Kephas speaking, everybody says, so what do we do, gentlemen? He says, now brothers, we've got to be very strategic. We can't just tell them to stop preaching because those 5,000 people will revolt. In the next election, we will lose 5,000 votes. But we can't let them gain the momentum they are gaining. He says, okay, right. Let's let them preach. But let's not make them preach in Jesus' name. So let's threaten them. Let's just threaten them. Do you think they take threats very seriously? No, it depends on how we say it. Let's threaten these guys. Let's tell them we will close their church. Let's tell them we will bring a case on them on treason. They will be crucified. Let's threaten them. Then they called them. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than to hear God judge ye. They were a people of a high religious order. So they come up with this threat and then he says, right. Okay. We hear you. This is Peter. We hear you that you are telling us to not preach in the name. Fine. But I just want you to judge also from our perspective. Would it be better to listen to God because God told us, Mark 16, or to listen to you judge you. Since you are, you are high priests and, and of the caliber of high priests, all that we are talking about is about God. Says, For we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. So then, they had further threatened them. That's why the message is not for weaklings. At the first threat you gave in, what about a further threat? They further threatened them. Let them go. Finding nothing, they might punish them. Why? Because of the people. For all men glorified God for what? For that which was done. So now, political expedience is now compelling them. They are now watching the people they are threatening and watching the reaction of the city. That's right. We are caught between a rock and a hard place. If we 
you must remember, you see, if those 5,000 people are rejoicing, you can hear them outside saying, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we cast all the demons. Look at how happy they are. Now, if we tell them, these people, that they shouldn't preach in Jesus' name, and look at, by, look at the rejoicing outside, we will have a crisis in the city. So what shall we do? He says, right. Uh, because of the people, guys, we have to lie low. We have to pretend like we are also rejoicing. So he says, so, for the man was above, no, go back to verse number 20. Let me read it again so that it bring, brings cohesion. Says, for we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all the men glorified God for that which was done. They are praised Jesus in it. For the man was about 40 years on whom the miracle of healing was shewed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is there is. Now, the issue of believability about the reality of the resurrection of God is no longer a myth. Then in their rejoicing, they then receive another gasha of the Holy Ghost. Listen to this. Say, who by the mouth of thy servant David says, why did the heathen rage? They are preaching against the rage the council had set up. Says, brother, did you see how angry and bitter those guys were? They are fulfilling a scripture that David already spoke about. That's how did the heathens rage and the people imagine vain things. So you see, brother, we stood for God. The king of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. What they did was just simply manifesting to them the reality of a prophecy that David did. Of a truth against thy holy... There they are praying and glorifying God of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius and Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. That in itself. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. They are now further stronger with the resolute of preaching in the name of Jesus ever than before. It says, by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done. By what? Come on church, by what? 
by the name of thy holy child Jesus. You couldn't tell Peter any different from that encounter. He does it. He sees the power. It wakes up a cancer. And that cancer is actually strengthening them in saying that isn't this what David wrote in his Psalms? That they will rise up against this name, kings and rulers. So they were narrating and praising God and praying and glorifying God. He says, ha ha, you can't tell me otherwise. This message, this Jesus, this power, this name, I can't preach in any other way. No matter how much they threaten me, I will simply preach in the name of Jesus. It's an awesome name. Not just as a sermon. I'm not here preaching to you so that you can clap hands after services. Wow, wonderful service. No. It's reminding you what our prophet told us that this message has. It's actually solidifying the authenticity of William Branham as a messenger of God for this dispensation. Don't apologize for the name of Jesus. It's an awesome name. It's a powerful name. By it, all that you require is in that name. The name of Jesus. That name, my brothers and sisters, started a revolution. There is no reason why it shouldn't start a revolution in our lives. All the mystery of the message is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The opening of the seals, what we call the third pool, everything about the message is encapsulated in Jesus' name. And because here, the devil woke up. A conference was held. But they were outnumbered by the effect of the name. 5,000 votes were going. They laid low. And that seed that laid low rose up at Nyasia. And it brought about the doctrine of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. To affect the whole religious realm. Until now, it's even more difficult to convince people of Jesus than it is of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Which means the devil did damage in the church ages to this name. And the message has come with Revelation 10.7 to restore the deity back to the name through the believers. So when you stand and the Pentecostal stands and he says in Jesus' name with his rotten life, you know you won't achieve nothing. And you stand with your sanctified message life in Jesus' life, it appears that you are raising the judgment road. And anything that comes under the judgment road has got to be judged. And right now, as a pastor, I've come to judge your circumstances in Jesus' name. I'm not just preaching. I raise up that sword. And I say, sister, if you are barren, receive your child in Jesus' name. By doing that, we are judging the womb to reproduce correctly. Brother, that business you require, I give it to you in Jesus' name. By doing that, we are judging every spirit that stands in your way in Jesus' name. Whatever you require, it's in that name. To those of you who struggle with the sickness, 
I tell you right now, in Jesus' name, the sin problem is over. All you have to do is accept it and walk in the majesty of the name because you realize by not living right, you are shooting yourself in the foot. You are self-sabotaging. So now, in this last generation, the devil has been very slick. He has allowed every TV program and every, every movie to have the name of Jesus being used in profanity. What is the idea? Is to lessen the gravity of that name. When somebody's fixing their car and they seem to not get the thing correct, they will say blinkity blink in Jesus' name. Everything at work, it's blinkity blink, profane language with Jesus. Profane language with Jesus. To make sure that the effect of the power of the name of Jesus is corroded. And nowadays, as much as we are preaching in Jesus' name, you now have stand-up comedians standing and profaning that name and getting highly prayed. Oh yes, don't pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. You all know of Trevor Noah. Praise the Lord. You all know of Trevor Noah. He's your international comedian who's all over the place speaking profanity. The devil has designed pulpits in entertainment to make sure that that name is lessened in value all the time. Lessened, lessened, lessened until it becomes like a church slogan. Just like the Mohammedans say, Allah Akbar, we say Jesus Christ. No, my brother, this name is far deeper and more powerful than you can ever suspect or imagine. Oh, brother, if you want to receive the Holy Ghost, it's also in the name. Everything that you'll ever amount to in this message is in the name. The name of Jesus can sort out your marriage. The name of Jesus can sort out your education. The name of Jesus, everything that you require. Remember what the quote says. It says, it judges every trouble. And what's in a name? In a name is a life. And all the time, from the dawn of ages, right up until now, the mystery has always been the name. Even Moses asked, by what name do you go by? He says, I am that I am. Then, even Samson, when his father came, Manoah, says, what is thy name? says, don't you know my name is a secret? Until it was unveiled. Now that the devil knows that name is unveiled, he then brought up the program of Trinity. And that has us confused. Most people are in the message because it is a far superior argument than a Pentecostal. But now, my brother, the devil has just snuck you into church without a revelation. That is why we have a lot of people that backslide in our quarters. But once the name of Jesus Christ is revealed to you, that's the beginning of the new birth. That is why the whole book of Revelation, it started by saying, the revelation which God gave of Jesus Christ to John. And John types the bride. That's where we ought to be. It ought to be revealed to us what that name is. It will judge every circumstance in our life. I don't care what you go through, my brother. I'm here as a minister of the gospel. I've stepped in Wheatbank in the name of Jesus. 
whatever it is that you require right now in Jesus name not because it's a slogan but it's a judgment to your road whatever you have in your life that you're not happy with raise it in Jesus name that powerful name let me tell you my brother it will do things that have never been done before there is power in the name of Jesus somebody say amen somebody say amen that name of Jesus it can purchase your salvation that name of Jesus it can cast out every devil that name of Jesus it can do the miraculous that name of Jesus hallelujah somebody shout Jesus somebody shout Jesus in Jesus name we've got the power in the name of Jesus though Satan rages we cannot be defeated we've got the power Oh, somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Thrills my every desire. Oh, my brother, we can be completed in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. So my life has been a mess. Let me introduce you that name of Jesus. It still has power. There is not enough devil to threaten us against that name. That name can purchase whatever you require right now can bring whatever you require can bring your backslidden children it can orchestrate a revival in your home let that name be ushered again give me Jesus the whole mystery of the message is to demonstrate the power of the name that is why now listen to what the prophet says as I close and listen the first time the name of Jesus was ever spoken in human lips It brought life to a dead baby. And I want to tell you tonight, that name of Jesus can bring life to a backslidden brother. Can bring life to a backslidden girl. Can bring life to... It can breathe life into your business. It can breathe life wherever you are. The name of Jesus has all the answers. Somebody say amen. Says if the name of Jesus brought life to a dead baby, that was before the Holy Ghost dispensation. The prophet says, what ought it to do to a born again church? We ought not to tell you to praise the Lord. It just ought to happen automatically. Because the name of the Lord, if it was spoken and the mother had not had an ultrasound which showed life in a baby by the name of Elizabeth, she spoke in tongues and says, how is it that the Lord, the mother of my Lord should approach me? says, what ought it to do to a born again church? Just the mention of the name. The name of Jesus. says, what ought it do to diseases? Brother, we don't have to lay hands right now as we are speaking. Brother, there is an atmosphere that can get you healed whether the devil likes it or not. Just by the mention of the name of Jesus, them cancer cells have got to drop. That depression has got to drop. That evil spirit has got to drop. That spirit of suicide has got to drop. Just by the mention of the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Says, What ought it to do to diseases? Listen to the answer your prophet gives. Says, why? It would just read the thing 
just like that if you take it reverently. How many people have some stuff in their lives that ought to be read today? We are reading them in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. It doesn't need a, a, a rehearsal program. Right here, right now, things can happen. The name of Jesus doesn't have to have a, a, a pre-plan. Peter was just going to the temple at the hour of prayer. They weren't intending to raise the men. But the men said, look. Peter said, look on us. The season has come for the bride. Amen. To rise up and stand in dignity. And tell demons and people that are demon possessed. People with situations. People with issues. Look on us. 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 Because we carry the deity. Hallelujah. Look on us. Look on us. A man that's totally surrendered to the power of God, he becomes deity in two feet. We need to tell every situation, look on us. You need to tell that cancer-ridden people, look on me. Silver and gold have I none, but I have a stick that can judge your circumstance. I have a rod that can judge your diseases. Look on us. Look on us. In Jesus' name, rise up and walk. Let me tell you, my brother, theologians have concluded throughout all their theses that Mark chapter 16 is uninspired from verse 9 right up to the last verse. How many remember the story of a mother? We had got sick and a child was in theological school. And while that child was in theological school, mama wrote a letter to Sunny Boy and said, Sunny Boy, amen, pray for me. I've not been well. Amen. Sunny Boy replied the letter, Mama, I'll pray for you. Then one day, Mama went to a little church that knew how to use the name of Jesus. And Mama was prayed for, praise the Lord. And Mama got healed. Sunny Boy came from holiday, came back to see Mama, said, Mama, what happened? that time. Mama said, Sunny boy, I went to that little church in Whitbank. They laid hands upon me and I got healed. What did they say? They laid hands according to Mark 16. They shall lay hands on the sick and from that moment I recovered. Said, But mama, hey man, Mark 16 is uninspired from verse 9. Mama said, Hallelujah, bless God. If the uninspired can get me healed, how about the inspired? Hallelujah. Somebody shout, hey man. Somebody shout amen. The devil is a liar. Hallelujah. That's the power of Mark 16. It types Exodus chapter 4. And every one of us that's born again has that road. Sister, you've got that road. Brother, you've got that road. Child, you've got that road. Hallelujah. It's not a road for pastors only. I've come with mine and I'm waving it over Whitbank. Let there be a revival that will alert. That will alert the Sanhedrin of, of Whitbank. Let it be known. That there is a place that uses the name of the Lord. Let it be known they are believers with the power of God. So that you are quizzed and you say, judge you. Is it better for us to listen to you or to listen to what God says? Hallelujah! How many say we listen to what God says? We hear what God says. We believe what God says. He is our God. As of this moment, I cancel every spirit of depression. And I want you to believe it. 
Amen. Whatever you are going through, I cancel it in Jesus' name. I've come as a minister of the gospel, unplanned, unscripted. I've got to wave that road over this congregation. Somebody say, I receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! The prophet says, what? It will read the thing if you take it reverently. How many will go home today and say, my method of using the name is thoroughly changed. When I pray and I say in Jesus' name, I know that name is judged. It judged some witches in Germany. It judged some witches that raised the table. It will judge everything in my life. This is what the world has done. You can't use it in slang out here on the street and come back to church tonight and expect to be healed by it. So do you see why the Pentecostals are not doing well with the name? They go to church on Sunday and then they are sitting on Trevor Noah. They are sitting and saying slang in Jesus' name. Using their blinkety blinks with Jesus' name. And the prophet already caught that spirit because he needs the bride in the final age to defy what Nyasia has done. We are the people, my brother, that are raised for this age with power in simplicity. That is why when you go to any church and you say, I want to preach about the name of the Lord, message people want deep things. Brother, there is nothing deeper than the name of the Lord. There is nothing deeper than the name of the Lord. Somebody say amen right there. Listen to this. You can't use it in a sling out here on the street and come back to church tonight to be, and expect to be healed by it. Some people don't even rebuke their colleagues that, my friend, don't do that. Do you know that you can't kiss in front of a Muslim and say, uh, uh, Allah this, Allah that. They'll declare a fatwa on you. They'll tell you you are blaspheming. But believers say, I know he's not born again. You'll catch it later. And slowly, you are being eroded. You are being desensitized to the reverent name you are supposed to be using. Says you can't use it in a sling out here on the street and come back to church tonight and expect to be healed by it. That's right. You've got to respect it. How many say from today onwards, I respect it. Some people respect the rhetoric of a prayer. Said, oh, that brother can pray. When he mentions all his rhetoric in between. The most thing to respect in a prayer is when he says, in the name of Jesus. He says, that's right. Let's read that together. You've got to respect it. And you've got to... How many say, I love that name? I've got to love that name. Oh, come on, somebody raise your hand. Defy gravity, raise that hand way up and say, I love that name. And then he says here, what else do you have got to do with it? And cherish it. (laughs) And let's hear what the prophet says. And put it out in the front of everything else. Take the name of Jesus with you as a shield from every fool. The prophet says, that's right. Keep the name of Jesus before you. Sometimes. I can't hear you. 
How many say, I will put that name always. Before I get angry, I want to say, Lord, in Jesus' name, you will see a sweet spirit come upon you. Because he is a sweet physician. May God bless you as we rise to our feet. Oh, come on, somebody say, hallelujah. Somebody say, amen. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. We grow up singing songs like, in Jesus' name. We cast out all the devils in Jesus' name. Do you love the Lord? Give the Lord a hand in praise. My brother, do you know of a Jesus song? There's power in the name of Jesus. Let's sing that song.
applause for the words. How many appreciate the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? 
How many believe that name has power? Amen. Hey, where's Brasbo? There's a Zulu version. There is power in the name of Jesus. Amen. And thereafter, we are going to wrap up a round of applause for Pastor. <laughs> The name is the power. Oh, yes.
Let's say it, believers. It's the name of our husband. Come on. Let's say it. Thank you. Hallelujah. for that name. applause for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name except that name. That name is power, folks. Amen. We really thank God. Uh, we will be back here at half past four. Half past four. Make sure that you are on time. We will be back here. You don't need to go anywhere else for food. Uh, just see the trustees and make whatever offering that you have to the trustees. There is a tent pitched up outside with food. Catering company is here to cater to you. So no need to leave. Amen. Just see the trustees and make a contribution. They don't have any set amount. Whatever you can contribute, you can contribute. And thereafter, have a meal. If you don't have a contribution, it's not a train smash. Just go and have a meal as well. Amen. Are we together? I think we can say, I bless your name, Brother Chet, if you come. And then just close the service and pray for the food that we are going to partake. Amen. God bless you. I bless you.
Amen. We just want to look unto the Lord, the author and finish of our faith this morning for the great things that He had done in our midst. Amen. The demonstration and the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If we have a need in the house of God, amen, we could just raise up our hands and say, Lord, remember me in prayer. Amen. As we may pray this morning, gracious heavenly Father, dear God, we are moved from an earthly form, dear Lord Jesus. We are moved into the heavenlies, dear Lord, in Christ Jesus, dear Lord Jesus. Father, we are overwhelmed, dear God, Father. Lord, to be put in an atmosphere, dear Lord. Father, where the world, Father, misses out this morning, Father. But as believers, dear Lord Jesus, Father, we can overcome, Lord. We can trample over serpents, Father. And if we take up deadly things, Father, it won't harm us this morning, Father. Because we didn't even catch just a message, just an intellectual speech, Father, just a word of motivation, Father God, but Lord, we have received life from heaven, dear Lord, you have imparted to us, oh God, Lord, the victory, dear Lord, that we would need, dear God, to take us through, Lord, tomorrow, to take us through the weeks, to take us through the months to come, Lord, until we leave in a rapture, dear Lord, we thank you this morning, Father, Lord, for grace has come our way, dear Lord Jesus, and provided for us, dear Lord, the sustenance, the nutrition, Father, that we would need oh god truly lord we are not the same dear lord truly lord we have grown dear lord a little bit more dear god from faith to faith from glory to glory dear lord we just want to thank you dear god for our pastor malika dear lord jesus that has come lord a long way off dear lord jesus but lord he has come to us dear lord from what he has he has given to us dear lord jesus and we have risen dear lord jesus and i our prayer, dear God, that you will undertake. Bless him, Father. Restore to him, dear Lord, the virtues, dear Lord, the strength, O oh God. Grant him many more, Lord, revelations, Father, as he would go, Lord, in the inspiration of the Holy Ghost around even the world, dear Lord Jesus. We see what you are calling him for, Father. We see the standard, O oh God, of the word. We see the maturity, dear Lord. We thank you for that, dear God. We thank you for even his wife, dear Lord, giving him that support, dear Lord. May you bless her in abundance, dear Lord. May you supply their needs, Father. Thou knowest their needs, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless the church of God this, this morning, Father. Undertake for them, dear Lord, we pray. Father, we remember the food, dear Lord, that has been only provided by the grace of God, Father. May you bless it, Father. May you sanctify it, dear God. May it do good things to us, Father. For this morning, dear God, we pray, dear Father, and the church of God pray in the mighty Name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. There is no need for us to form a line. We'll meet in the tent and have a fellowship. We'll be here at half past four. Because you don't need to go anywhere. You just move back into church. Amen. God bless you.